you can listen to The Front on your smart speaker every morning. To hear the latest episode, just say, play the news from The Australian. From The Australian, here's what's on The Front. I'm Kristen Amiot. It's Monday, November 20. Australia took on India in the final of the Men's One Day International Cricket World Cup in Ahmedabad last night. The Aussies were riding high following their narrow defeat of South Africa in the semi-final on Thursday, securing a record sixth World Cup title against the hosts. Israel and Hamas have tentatively agreed to a five-day ceasefire. The deal, which is believed to have been brokered by the United States, would see women and children hostages freed. The breakthrough follows a raid and subsequent evacuation of the Al-Shifa hospital in Gaza by Israel Defence Force troops last week. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese's conversations with Chinese President Xi Jinping are back in the spotlight after Australian Navy divers were injured by sonar pulses from a Chinese warship in international waters. Security experts want to know if the PM raised the incident with Xi at APEC, or if he waited until the summit concluded so as not to halt progress on trade relations. Australia is supposed to have the toughest gun laws in the world, but an investigation by The Australian has exposed big problems with a fundamental part of the regime. A national firearms registry promised after the ambush killing of two Queensland police officers and a civilian in Wyambilla in 2022 has been held up by bureaucracy and funding disputes. That's in today's episode. A little under a year ago, four Queensland police officers made their way to a property in the tiny town of Wyambilla. Population, 78. They were following up warrants relating to illegally dumped firearms and a COVID-19 border breach by Nathaniel Train, who police suspected was hiding out at the property. It was an ambush. Bullets rained down on the constables from camouflaged hideouts as they approached the home owned by Nathaniel's brother, Gareth, and his wife, Stacey. Earlier in the evening, four police officers attended the property where two were killed in an ambush by the gunman wearing camouflage. A neighbour who also responded to the gunfire was killed during the ambush. Nathaniel, Gareth and Stacey Train were killed by police following an hours-long siege at the property. Police would say later that the attack was religiously motivated. Here's Queensland's Deputy Police Commissioner, Tracy Linford. There was a belief that Christ will return to the earth for a thousand days and provide peace and prosperity, but it will be preceded by an era or a period of time of tribulation, widespread destruction and suffering. The aftermath of the Wyambilla massacre was savage. It is, sadly, a reminder of the unpredictable nature of policing and the incredible dangers our office face while protecting our community. And politicians vowed it would never happen again. It's quite clear that we need to do better in cooperation between jurisdictions when it comes to firearms. That was part of the issue that's been identified. After the ambush, there was a really renewed push for a national firearms register. 
Sarah Elks is a senior reporter with The Australian. This was first recommended back after the Port Arthur massacre in Tasmania in 1996, but it never happened. And so what was freshly rediscovered was that states and territories' individual firearm registries don't talk to each other, and some are paper-based. So what that means in practice is that a police officer in Queensland, for instance, wouldn't be able to find out what firearms licences somebody in New South Wales has or somebody in South Australia, and firearm dealers across the country cannot instantly tell whether or not somebody's licence is suspended or cancelled or whether it's valid. Gareth and Stacey Train weren't licensed to own or shoot firearms at all. Nathaniel Train's weapons licence had been suspended by police in New South Wales, where he was previously employed as a school principal in August of 2022. The problem was that it was a paper licence and police didn't know where to find Nathaniel to confiscate it. They also had no way to alert authorities in other states about the suspension. That meant Nathaniel was able to amass the weapons and ammunition in Queensland using the paper licence, with no questions asked. Sarah has been collaborating with The Australian's associate editor, Ellen Wynette, on an investigation into the status of the National Firearms Registry. It would cost $200 million and take at least four years to get it up and running. It would contain information about licensees' history of gun ownership as well as the firearms they currently possess. But it's being held up. It's basically locked in this funding fight between the feds and the states and the territories. What we've been told, including by Western Australian Police Minister Paul Papalia, is that smaller jurisdictions like the ACT, Northern Territory, South Australia and Tasmania are really balking at the idea of paying tens of millions of dollars to upgrade their own individual registries. The federal government has offered to fund the upgrade of a handful of databases that would improve transparency across the country. Some of the bigger states, like Western Australia and Queensland, are in a position to foot the bill. All of the nation's police commissioners have agreed it's a good idea. But it's a futile exercise if all the states and territories aren't operating in the same way. Unless each state and territory becomes digitised, there's no point in having a National Firearms Registry because the information will be out of date or incomplete or just not there. Further complicating the issue is the fact that gun laws are riddled with loopholes and definitions of firearms vary from state to state. One particular firearm might be called XYZ in the Queensland Registry system, but in New South Wales, it's called ABC. But this is one thing that both the pro-gun lobby and the gun control advocates agree on. They want consistency across the country and they want some agreement and cooperation across the country. Coming up after the break, the National Gun Register finds support in unexpected places. My name is Manny Karoudis and I'm a former New South Wales policeman turned investigative reporter with a passion for missing persons cases. I'm here to quickly tell you about our True Crime Australia podcast, The Missing, 
In this series, I look at old missing persons cases which have all gone cold in an attempt to try and uncover new information which could help see these missing people reunited with their loved ones or any form of clue that could bring these families closure. The Missing is available now wherever you get your podcasts and early and ad-free on Crimex Plus on Apple Podcasts. The idea of a National Firearms Registry was first floated almost 30 years ago by former Prime Minister John Howard following Australia's deadliest mass shooting. At least 34 people were killed and four others critically wounded when a 29-year-old gunman with a history of mental problems opened fire in a popular tourist area. The carnage came to an end only this morning after the gunman caught fire following a 12-hour standoff with police. After Port Arthur, Howard led a national gun buyback scheme. The government also banned automatic and semi-automatic weapons. Australia hasn't seen a mass shooting like it since. But the National Gun Register, pitched at the same time, hasn't happened. Gun owners, however, are some of its biggest advocates. We're finding that there are increasing numbers of people with firearms licences. It's a really popular sport. Primary producers need guns for their jobs. There are a lot of other occupations that legitimately need firearms for their jobs. I've spoken to many gun safety advocates who say, why shouldn't we look at this like we're licensing cars and shouldn't there be a national system? And then I've also spoken to, for instance, Graham Park, who's the president of the Shooters Union. That's one of the biggest representative bodies for shooters in Australia. And they're normally pretty resistant to any kind of over-regulation of legal firearms. And even he thinks that some kind of national cooperation on gun registration is a great idea because often people go hunting across state borders, they might travel for work across state borders and need to take firearms with them. And he said a fast, accurate, uniform national system will protect gun owners who are doing the right thing. So... There definitely is some enthusiasm from the perspective of people who are normally extremely resistant to any suggestion of over-regulating those people who use firearms legally. Sarah Elks is a senior reporter with The Australian. She collaborated with associate editor Ellen Wynette on this investigation. You can read their in-depth reporting about Australia's stalled gun control reforms right now at theaustralian.com.au. A troubled young woman. Her evil parents. We never had any issues between us. Has justice been done? I'm in a prison. Join journalist Richard Gilliatt as he delves into one of Australia's most gripping cases... Shadow of Doubt, a new podcast investigation from The Australian. I cannot find one of these allegations that's possible. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts.